0: It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. Welcome to the Living Skin Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Beth Bialco here and I am so excited and beyond thankful that you have joined us today for another episode where we're going to be talking about human connections today. We're shifting gears. I know we usually talk about skin and technology and product innovation but today we are really talking about the ways that we can strengthen our client communication based on principles of happiness, connection and emotional intelligence. It's been a challenging year, so we want to explore today on the podcast as how as industry professionals can we make these meaningful connections and enhance Overall well being for our clients and for ourselves. So, joining us today, we have a very special guest who is an expert in this. And this is Jesse Anton, who is the development director at the Greater Good Science Center, leading fundraising, institutional philanthropy, and corporate partnerships efforts for nearly a decade. And so, I want to welcome to the podcast Jesse.
1: Hi, Beth, and hi, everybody. It's totally great to be on your program.
0: Well, we are so excited to have you with us. I mean, of course, we've been talking for quite some time. We're collaborating on a, a partnership project right now, which is super mm-hmm. exciting. And I have been waiting to, of course, ask you all of these questions, Jesse, because what you are doing and the team is doing at the Greater Good Science Center is Relevant in just general in, in life on a daily basis, but it's really relevant right now, especially for The world going through these kind of unprecedented times during the pandemic So we are just super excited to have you share a lot of your insight as well Tell us a little bit more about your work at the Greater Good Science Center
1: Sure, yeah. So, our Greater Good Science Center, um, we're an institute based at the University of California, Berkeley, in the San Francisco Bay Area. So, we're housed at one of the leading research universities of the world, of course, and that, that strengthens everything that we do. But our mission is really public facing. Um, we're trying to take this science, which is a relatively new one. I mean, there wasn't a lot of research being done around the psychology of happiness and well being and what you might call positive emotions. Even 20, 30 years ago, very limited. So as that field has just um, grown immensely larger, um, research on this topic is being done at universities and labs all around the world now. And our our goal is to have these interesting findings, um, not just sit in scientific journals or in libraries, but instead to take the parts that are really practical for people and make it available to the public in a way that people can understand. Um, We do that through articles on our website, which are really popular, through newsletters and videos. And we have a podcast, the Science of Happiness podcast too. Um, You can find all this at our greatergood.berkeley.edu. And if you hear things you're interested in today, that's a place you can go to learn more.
0: Perfect, I know that a lot of our listeners are already putting the information in because everyone I think is really looking to find that inspiration, that article, that podcast that really just brings in that sense of you know emotional wellness and human connection. Um, You know, because that's what I think we're all you know looking for, especially in this industry where our professionals are very much about human touch and connecting with their clients and really have more of that nurturing type of personality. And it's interesting because what our topic today is about actually led to the inspiration to the collaboration project that we've been working on, which of course is an, an online education course around meaningful connections. And the reasons inspiration happened is that as service professionals, We often experience this kind of common like phenomenon where a client arrives for their appointment, they're having, they start having their service, but they also start to share stories and experiences from their personal lives. And this interaction could be anything from a really good laugh. I think right now, sometimes it could be a little bit of a good cry, particularly in this last year, which has been very challenging. But you know this kind of confirms to us what we already know is that, as a industry professional, as a, you know as a skin therapist or a massage therapist or a cosmetologist or a nail technician, we do play a critical role in our clients' kind of emotional wellness because you know, when you're in close proximity to each other and in a grooming kind of application, mm-hmm. I mean, let alone the science behind oxytocin and, you know, psychosocial factors that come into play, we start to really forge these really long lasting, and I feel really real connections. And I think right now those clients who are coming to see our therapists, so whether they are back in business from the lockdown. Maybe they're doing a virtual consultation if their doors aren't open, but they're coming back in and still really needing that emotional support and connection because the world definitely needs more empathy, more gratitude, and for sure, more compassion. And I think this is such a, a real thing because as a therapist, we need to know not only how to kind of manage and make that connection, you know, with your clients um, and support them. But I think for ourselves, when we go home from the day, you know, after you've absorbed all of that information and the energy, you know, the happiness and maybe the sadness as well, it's sometimes you have to learn how to take care of yourself. So we're really excited to be working with you and your resources, um, of course, at the Greater Good Science Center have been so invaluable. So I think the first question I have to ask you is, you know can you share with our listeners what is emotional intelligence because I feel like that word right now is kind of out there quite a bit it's very mm-hmm. trendy to talk mm-hmm. about EI or EQ and I think it's just good to be able to kind of explain what it is and of course you know why it's it's so important
1: yeah so you're exactly right this phrase emotional intelligence you see and hear it out there um kind of all the time um, you know, the, the idea for us at Greater Good is that emotional intelligence is the it's an understanding of your own emotions and an awareness of the emotions of other people around you. So it's both uh, um, yourself and other people, and it's it's kind of a it's a measurement, not one that you can literally measure, but of of your ability to tune into that kind of thing, and it's much harder than it sounds. Right, not all of us is innately born. You know, being able to recognize and manage our emotions, much less other people, but it's a skill that you can develop, and I think that's where you can draw kind of an interesting distinction between emotional intelligence and what you might call IQ or innate intelligence. Which you know, to me, um, you know, you know, you're you're only as smart as you are, right? Like people who score on an IQ test, you get the same IQ test your your whole life, but EQ is kind of a cute way of making of saying that your emotional intelligence is also something you can learn and tune into. And here's the secret, it's exactly right that you can practice these skills of recognizing your own emotions and uh, managing them to some extent, right? Like taking those feelings that you might feel, because feelings are great, there are no bad feelings, Um, but recognizing them first, tuning into them, becoming aware of them, and, and not judging them, by the way, you know, not immediately saying, like, oh, that, that anger I feel is bad or, you know, that sadness I feel. I wish I weren't having that. Just notice it and then figure out what to do with it. That's what emotional intelligence, EQ, is. And it's absolutely something that you can learn and practice and train and understand better.
0: Okay, I think that's really powerful what you said, Jesse, about with emotional intelligence, you know, recognizing it and understanding it within yourself and then being aware of it with other people. And, you know, I have to say, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking like it's easier said than done to when you get that strong feeling of like anger or disappointment to say, okay, feel it and let it pass through because sometimes mm-hmm. we want to hold on to it a little bit or just kind of stay in that moment, which oftentimes doesn't really lead to necessarily really good things, Um, especially if you're really upset or sad, you know, and or angry at someone. And I think it also makes sense for the fact that as a therapist, you know, you're not only dealing with that, your clients are coming in and bringing those types of emotions, but you also can you know, feel that as well. And I know as a therapist myself, we tend to be very um, in tune, like we feel all the feels, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very, you know, um, you know, emotionally like connected to not only our clients, but our craft and what we do. But there are some listeners who are probably tuning in right now and saying, okay, well, Jesse has said that there is a science behind this, right? well-being and happiness and and building connections you know where do you feel the science fits into this and you know is there this connection between like the brain and let's say an emotion like happiness
1: yeah the short answer is there is and this the science was not that well understood by researchers even a generation ago but people started getting really curious you know to give an example i remember. When I studied psychology in college, which was some time ago, all they wanted to talk about was what can go wrong in the human mind, all of your, your neuroses and your psychoses and your disorders. Mm-hmm. And of course those things exist and we, we hope that you know, treatments are developing for those things. But there was very little study about what can go right. What is actually going on in the human body and the brain and the mind and in the hormonal system too when we feel good things like joy, or like awe and wonder, or what does it feel like when we're really connected with another person where you know we share in their good times or their bad times too. Um, the way scientifically researchers measure these things is through like actual science experiments, they, which can range from everything from having studies of different groups and putting them in different conditions and seeing how they respond, um, to putting people in MRI machines to try to notice how their brainwaves um, uh, behave in different patterns, depending on whether they're feeling positive or negative emotions. One of the most interesting things about this science, to me, is also what happens physically in the body. You know, to give just one example, imagine you're feeling upset or angry. You know, we know what physical markers accompany that emotion. right? Your um, heart rate might start to quicken. You might even start to perspire a little bit in extreme cases. So we know that there are physical manifestations of emotions that are taking place largely in your mind or in your hormonal system. Um, So there really is a research dimension to this. Um, I'm grateful every day that there are extremely smart people with PhDs out there conducting these studies, trying to help, you know, regular people like me um, learn keys to sort of Live a happier life, a more contented life, a more connected life with other people because it looks like that's the secret is your relationship with other people is what brings real happiness,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, and the science is there. I mean, especially you know, we've been collaborating on those guiding principles, right, for really having these meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. And you know, the research, you know, it is there and it's actually rather just inspiring and um you know, it kind of overwhelming at the same time because you look at it and think, wow, this is so interconnected. And especially for therapists, are probably thinking as well, like this is also connected to the skin. I mean, the skin itself, you know, largest living organ of our body. It is an emotional organ. We know how our skin responds to stress, for example, where we see, you know, breakouts, redness, dehydration, dryness, Mm rashes don't appear. So it definitely this the science of well-being, it's almost like the better you feel, the better that your body and your brain are definitely responding. You brought up a good point about, you know, just um, kind of developing these this EI, this emotional intelligence, and that you can actually mm-hmm. Do exercises or practices or strengthen this? So there are some key principles that we've been working on, talking about like around gratitude, you know, empathy and compassion. Do you believe that you need to actually strengthen one of those, you know, key key areas before you can actually, you know, move into the next one? Like, do you have to develop more gratitude to be more empathetic?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, I would say there is no one prerequisite for getting your foot in the door on any of this stuff. I think one of the the greatest keys, though, the one that maybe unlocks all of them, is the idea of just paying attention, being aware, tuning into what's going on first for you and then for others around you, too. Um, Sometimes you hear the word mindfulness in this, which for us, mindfulness just means taking time to pay attention. Um, If you're being mindful in your own body, that looks like paying attention to your own breathing, to your own emotions, to other things that you're feeling, physical sensations too. And once you get, you know, sort of more used to doing that, and it's a practice that you can develop, right? Um, Then you can start pivoting that awareness towards other people. And I think that must have huge relevance in a therapeutic context, because as you pointed out earlier, these people are coming to you they're bringing their whole selves and they sit in, in that chair, right? Whatever is going on in their lives, which as you said, is more challenging than ever for many people these days. And then I think what's beautiful about it, which I hadn't fully appreciated until I, you, know, like you and I started working together, is that that closeness happens so fast. And a lot of it is because um, people must feel cared for when, they, when you're giving them that attention when they know that you're there to help them in a variety of ways, you know, maybe on the surface, as it were, to help them with skincare issues, but you know, there you are with this opportunity to care about them as a person and to listen. And listening is one of the very best things you can do to show care for another person and to start employing that um, that awareness of other people's emotions. Because, of course, the best way is to ask them questions and listen. Using empathy to their answers. And we can kind of get into the unpacking the science of empathy a little more too.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. And I think, and I'm glad you brought up about listening because that is one of our key principles is about, you know, to activate that, you know, listening um, mechanism. And I call it a mechanism because it's like sometimes you see people who they listen to respond. They're not necessarily listening to understand. And I think that's a, a key thing we need to talk about today, which is how can you listen closely to best understand like what's being communicated and tuning in versus your reply, right? Your response. Um, but before we get into that, let's go back to what you talked about with with empathy. And I think there's a kind of a miss maybe uh, misunderstanding or people maybe aren't quite clear when it comes to empathy, what's the difference between empathy versus let's say sympathy? Because there is definitely a difference, yes?
1: Yeah, there is, sure. And, and another idea I'll connect in my answer is compassion, which is a cousin to those two. So when we say that we have sympathy for someone, you know, imagine you're sending a sympathy card to someone who's going through hard times. What you're saying with sympathy is, i'm i'm so sorry that you're feeling that i recognize that you're sad um and i'm sorry you feel that way which is great Uh, you know that's that's the very beginning of relationship and trust building is letting people hear that you care about them that's sympathy empathy is something even more that's where you actually take the additional step of trying to understand their feelings not just feeling sorry that they feel sad but trying to Imagine what it would be like to be in their shoes. Imagine embodying those feelings, not just saying, oh, I'm, you know, sorry that your pet passed away, but what would I feel like? Or how did I feel when my pet passed away? That's empathy. And then I mentioned the idea of compassion. Compassion is like empathy plus action. That's like, I'm, I recognize that you are sad. I I think I feel what you're feeling and I want to help you. I want to alleviate your suffering. I want to do what I can to make things better for you. That's, a, that's compassion, that's a compassionate act.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that, I love that. Really, empathy plus action equals compassion. And I think that's yep. big learning for people because you can say yes, no, I'm, I'm so sorry you're going through that. But people know, and Jesse, I mean, if you agree with this, I feel like people know whether you truly mean that right i feel like people can tune into and recognize whether you are being you know empathetic and i know when you receive empathy it it helps you right it helps you to feel a little bit better about the situation or this like sense of kind of like relief
1: yeah i mean people tend to connect with others when they feel heard when they feel understood when they've received signals or words that show like oh you actually do get me i mean because we all want to be understood right Having said that, you know, empathy is something we practice. It's a journey, perhaps more than a destination. I certainly wasn't born being really good at empathizing with other people. And if what you're feeling in that moment is sympathy, like, I'm I'm really sorry about that tough thing you're going through. Because the truth is, you know, you're not always going to be able to understand exactly what the person in your chair is feeling right then and there. Just feeling bad, being there for them is also really important. That's going to be nurturing for them, they're gonna feel cared for. So maybe a question is, then what? How do you actually get to that next level of closeness in a relationship by cultivating more empathy? Well, then I come back to asking questions and listening. You know, really listening, trying to understand a person's words, but also their meanings and their emotions behind it. Really tuning in and I, for one, I've been guilty often of just kind of, you know, listening, but not really listening. Maybe I'm like half thinking about something else or, or maybe, you know, imagining what I'm going to say next in response. Mm -hmm. That's not the kind of active listening we're talking about where you're, you're really hearing a person. You're really like a hundred percent laser focused on everything they're communicating with you, which isn't just their words, right? It can be their um, facial expressions, other gestures they make.
0: Yes, definitely. So I think just like, I'm glad you brought that up like that because active listening isn't just just listening to the person, letting them, you know, say all the things and everything that's happening with them. But there are those nonverbal cues, right? Like the nodding of the head, the leaning in, um, you know, especially right now where people are wearing a mask, sometimes it's hard to tell yeah. they actually connected in with you. So that eye contact is is so key as well. We've talked a lot about empathy, um, compassion. You know how to activate your listening skills. All of these are which are really great key guiding principles. Another one that we worked on with you was in this course um, that we have coming up is gratitude, and I think that's something else that's also very prevalent in. Um, kind of like trending right now where people are doing gratitude journals or seeing things that they're grateful for. What are some suggestions that you would have to someone who wants to learn how to practice having more gratitude? And when you do that, does that, does that lead to more compassion? Does it lead to feeling better or or having more happiness?
1: Yeah, well, I'm happy to report the reason that you do hear gratitude talked about a lot in the media and in magazines is because it, it's a real thing. It turns out it's very well proven in a lot of scientific contexts that the expression of gratitude, of being thankful toward another person has lots of really profound benefits. And so it's it's like, you know, think of it as like a 21st century vitamin, like we know it's good for you and you should take it. So it might be worth, um, defining a little better what we mean by gratitude between people because yes it's it's the feeling of thankfulness of you know feeling glad that something that that is positive for you is the case but you've got to add the interpersonal part of it that you're expressing this emotion to another person for something they have done for you you know um, I'm, I'm thankful right now that the Sun is shining where I am And and it's true. Like it's great. Everyone loves sunshine, but that's not gratitude in the way we mean. Gratitude would take place when I say to someone, you know, take take my wife. You know, I'm I'm so grateful that you, you know, did this thing for me. You know, um, you know, you made this amazing meal, for example. Um, and the way you express gratitude actually matters because you have to let a person know what they did that helped you. And you ideally will say like how it helped you. Now there's lots of ways to express and practice gratitude. And in fact, you want it to come out very authentically, right, you know, you don't want it to sound too Mm -hmm. canned or um, scripted, right? um, because that might not actually have the desired effect. Um, But what happens between people when they thank each other for things is um, there's a kind of, there's a vulnerability there. It's like saying, "I, I see what you did, and I see that you did it for me, and that meant a lot to me. And the sort of the, the dirty secret, or maybe it's a clean secret about gratitude, is it's actually even better for the person expressing the gratitude than it is for the person who's being thanked. Now we all like being thanked, it really feels really good to be recognized. But the mere act, it turns out, of expressing gratitude to someone for this way has all these powerful benefits, psychological benefits, they're, they're happier, they feel, um, a greater sense of meaning in their life um, but also physical benefits people who express gratitude are generally healthier overall um, and a variety of other things that just make it something it's like a vitamin you should take it every day
0: i love i love the analogy the vitamin that you have your gratitude vitamin that you need to take every day and i also think it's interesting of how you outlined it that there is um there's like a method Right? There's a practice. You just don't say thanks. You need to be very specific about what you're thanking them for, how it, you know, either helped you or affected you, and and showing that signs of appreciation. Um, okay, Jesse. So I can definitely hear what you're saying with these types of things that we need to practice. But you know, what if I'm I'm in the room, I'm with the client. And I I really want to do these things, you know, where, where do I start?
1: Yeah. I love real world questions. That's a very greater good type question. Like, so I'm glad you put it that way. Um, you know, so imagine you're, you're at work, you know, here comes somebody through the door and you have this good intention to try to be more present for them. Um, what does that actually look like? Um, I think one of the first things to do is, is, be more curious. Imagine yourself really curious about what this person's like and what's going on for them. Um, and that curiosity will probably lead to you asking questions, which is one of the strongest ways, of course, to become closer with people. And you can start off with kind of everyday type questions, but you know those will probably, in many cases, lead to questions that are kind of a little more personal about how someone's feeling. It's funny that we consider Feelings, a personal thing. I don't actually think that's true in every culture, but you know, we don't always feel comfortable asking people about their emotions off the bat. So it takes a little time, but you know, trust has been built. There's touch taking place, which can make people feel comfortable with one another. And then, before long, your curiosity is leading you to ask questions about how they're doing, and they're telling you, and then you're asking a follow-up question because you want to know more about how this, whatever's going on for them. How, how this affects them, how it affects other people around them. And then I also, I wanna share a couple of things that you might not wanna do. So it can be tempting, perhaps if somebody expresses a negative emotion, maybe they're sad about something or something bad happened, it can be tempting to try to flip it and just try to get them to focus on the positive, right? And almost dismiss the bad feeling. That's not always the best approach. Um, to try to change their mind like oh maybe something's not so bad or maybe there was maybe it's all for the best or something instead validate let that person have their sadness help them deal with it help them unpack it um, instead of trying to sweep it under the rug sweeping under the rug is one of the the worst things that we can do so you've you've been a good listener you've been curious about their emotions and in doing all this you're being present for them Um, and you may well find that they are asking you questions too, because by showing closeness to them, you're probably making them curious about you and they're wanting this, this sort of, it's kind of a growing relationship to be a two-way street. And you may wanna share things to the extent you're comfortable about yourself. And I, and I wouldn't hesitate, um, you know, say, well, you know, I, I can relate to what you're saying because here's an experience that I've had and now you guys are getting somewhere.
0: Okay, I love that. Like that's perfect. And again, it's it's part of what we do as a skin therapist, right? Or as a, for a service industry profession, mm-hmm. is that you have a consultation, and instead of keeping it, you know, superficial about how's the weather or how's your product doing for you, sometimes you have to like read those cues. And, and dig in a little bit deeper. I know there's something you and I have talked about where it is, um, and it goes right hand in hand with actively listening, and that's becoming radically present. What does that mean mm-hmm. to be radically present and how does it affect you?
1: Is, is connected to those ideas of empathy we talked about. It's not just hearing what someone is saying, but imagining what it actually might be like to be in that position or even to, to be them in some ways. Um, taking a step back, I mean, so much of what's hard in the world right now is that we don't understand one another that well. There's people with different points of view and it can sometimes feel like they're on a different planet. Or well, when you decide to be radically present with someone who's there in the room with you, that's kind of like making the conscious decision to try to get them. You know, maybe set aside any judgment of of what they're saying, or what you maybe assumed about them coming in. Um, We're all gonna have differences between one another, but actually what we all have in common is much, much greater. I mean, um, humans across the world, you know, share way over 99% of the exact same DNA. The the things that make us different from one another are so tiny. It's not to say they're not ever important, but if you're looking for a common humanity, like I, I wanna think about, what makes me have things in common with this person here? If you tune in and you're present with them, it's super easy to find because there's so much for all of us, you know?
0: I have one last question for yeah. you because I know we could talk about this human connection and everything for a very long time <laughs> today, but, um,
1: yeah, I thought we were just getting started.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, considering our, you know the way that the the world is right now, and then also to considering um, the industry. So, as like a, mm-hmm. you know, a service professional, what um, what can maybe one value or you know uh, well being or key principle do you think is uh, is most important right now, or that someone should really think about focusing or practicing a little bit more?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked because I, 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 the answer is pretty clear to me and I have such admiration for everyone in service professions who is perhaps going above and beyond to connect with other people and to serve their needs and perhaps they're even feeling a little vulnerable in doing so. And people in service professions are filling a, such an important role socially right now. They are in many cases probably the one of the only important Social connections people are having. We're all having a lot fewer than usual, right? Mm -hmm. So, this leads me to my recommendation, which is you have to take care of yourself first and foremost. The only way to show up for all the people around you, whether it's your clients or people you live with or other friends, is to take care of yourself. And that can be hard, right? Because we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, especially if we are um, motivated. Um, if we want to do well in our business or in other parts of our life, you might push yourself really hard. Well, now's a really hard time to push yourself really hard because many of us have fewer resources, emotional resources, financial resources than at other times. So I hope I'm convincing you that looking out for yourself is super important. How do you do that? A lot of the ways are familiar and are kind of outside of the greater good expertise we know about you know, sleep and exercise and nutrition and and maybe do all those things. But emotionally, the way you take care of yourself is, let me give you an example. At Greater Good, we recommend practicing what's called self-compassion. So I mentioned earlier that the idea of compassion is I saying, I recognize your suffering um, and I want to do something to help you. Well, imagine telling yourself that. Imagine taking that message and looking in the mirror and saying, "You know, hey Jesse, I I get that. You know, today was today was a really tough day, wasn't it? You know, um, it's okay. Everyone's going to have bad days now and then, and tomorrow might be better. And maybe for today, you should just give yourself a break. Do something you enjoy. Don't stress if things didn't go quite the way you wanted, um, or whatever works for you, because everyone has different ways of wanting to be cared for and." I'm um, feeling heard well be that person for yourself practice self-compassion let that be the path to taking care of yourself so you can be there and show up for other people tomorrow
0: maybe i love that i think that is such a powerful way to close our time together and you're you know you're right jesse it is the hardest thing to do because you give and give and give all day long and then you think about yourself and you're like oh wait Am I gonna have time for that? You know, I, I I gotta help this person. And I think we've mentioned this before, in this industry, we are givers by nature, right? We want to help someone with their skin problems or we want to help someone, you know, um, relax as a massage therapist or loosen up a muscle or we're helping someone, you know, take care of their hair. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think a lot of the topics we've covered today can also to, you know, thinking about your own self and how you can bring that into play. You know, everything from practicing positivity to the self-compassion that you just advised us about um, as well. So I just, I can't thank you enough for joining us and just bringing all of this like wisdom and insight into the podcast. I know that there are so many people out there who needed to hear your words uh, including myself and we just want to thank you so much for just sharing your time with us today it's been very very impactful and i I can't wait for everyone to learn more about the greater good science center and also to start practicing that self-compassion
1: thank you so much i've loved this chance to to share with all of you what we know about how to connect with other people and take care of ourselves
0: Thank you for listening to Living Skin, and don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.